Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. Well, happy Valentine's Day in advance. I know that it's Tuesday. Uh, It's a week where I trust that no one's forgotten, certainly the men, because uh, you'll be out in the doghouse. But it's a time to remember uh, how much we love each other. Women are equally responsible for this day to show their husbands how much uh, they are loved and how much they are respected uh, uh, in the house. Their children, it's a great time to show your parents how much you love them and how much you respect them as well. There is great blessing and respect. Amen. Uh, Sometimes I look at households today and And we find that one of the missing elements that's quickly fading away in the house of even Christianity uh, is that element of respect for each other. And once you lose that, trust me, it's a hard climb up to be able to establish that relationship where you can look at each other, husband and wife, child and father, father and child with that dignity and respect that they deserve as your children and as your spouses. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of love. I'm going to be as verbatim as I can for the sake of time uh, to get you out of here early because I know you have great commitments to go out and have lunch with your loved ones and we want to be able to do that. I've titled this morning's devotional simply What the World Needs Now. What the world needs now, and I think the most obvious uh, passage in Scripture that I could ever use, most commented, uh, mentioned, and known verbatim by millions of people around the world, is out of John chapter 3, verse 16. I don't think you have to look at your Bible to read it. You know it's there. If you have never read it, please open your Bible if you can, or read it with us on the big screen. And this is, I'm reading out of the King James Version today. This is what it reads in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you and me that he gave his only begotten son for you and me that whosoever would trust and believe on him would never perish but have everlasting life with him. I want to speak about three simple things this morning. And again, I'm going to stick to my notes. I normally take off as the Lord leads me on a tangent sometimes It takes a little bit longer to express what I'm wanting to share with you this morning. But I'm going to speak on three particular quick subjects. One is the massive expanse of God's love. How big God's love is. The massive expanse. Secondly, it will be the marvelous expanse of God's love. The incredibly marvelous expanse. How costly, how pricely that gift of love from God we have received. And thirdly, the matchless experience of those of us 
who will experience that love. What it does to us, what it's capable of doing in our lives, how it affects our person, our being, our innermost, in, just inside, innate, who we are, versus character and personality, how we handle ourselves, how we move, how we think, all these things that this love comes to affect. This week we celebrate one of the most celebrated holidays in the world. And behind it, when you think of Valentine's Day, you always think of candies and cards and flowers. I was reading some statistics on this, and I'll give them to you in a second, but I'm speaking about how people this particular season will give out candies and greeting cards, flowers, and take their loved ones to romantic dinners, jewelries, gifts, etc., and things of sort. That millions upon billions of dollars are spent by our nation and around the world on this particular Valentine's Day. We are told that Americans spent $21.8 billion on Valentine's Day last year. U.S. consumers spent $5.8 billion on jewelry this February last year. The average amount spent on Valentine's Day last year was $164 amongst families. More than half of the spending, or $11.7 billion, went to gifts for spouses and partners. The average amount of men on Valentine's Day is about $231. The women are listening. Women spend an average of $100 on Valentine's Day. And ladies, we know it. Over one-fourth of Americans buy gifts for their pets even. That's a big trend these days. Now kids, uh, your pets are getting chocolate teddy bears and things like that. The latest Valentine's Day shopping trend reveals that 52% of shoppers get candy while 37% purchase flowers. The total sales in the segments reached $2.4 billion and $2.3 billion on Valentine's Day. Wow. Incredible. Now we know and we're told, obviously, that Valentine's Day began several years ago and was named under some certain saints that were out there. But we have adopted that as a great time for us to express our love to each other as a people loving each other on a daily basis. What the world needs today, you will agree with me, is love. Amen? Now, I know that when I mention that, some of us who are a little bit older may remember a song by that name. What the world needs now. How many remember that song? I don't know if it's something carnal for me to do from this altar, but I'm going to remind you of it a little bit because somehow the individual who penned this song down had made an observation of what this world needed and he knew the source of who could give us that love the world needed. In 1965, Hal David had been working on a song and finally came up with the lyrics. As Burt Bacharach 
composed the music. These two individuals put this song together. They had been working on this song for a couple of years before it finally came together, we are told. And this song was offered to a singer by the name of Dionne Warwick. She was one of the old, uh, or, uh, older, if you will, my generation singers, ladies, beautiful voice, who usually sang most of their songs. She was a particular singer of choice for the art of these men. But she turned it down for whatever reason. Kind of a certain political reason behind that, and you'll hear as I tell you. But then Jackie Shannon, the Shannon rather, her name, took the song and it exploded to the top ten musical charts and ranking number one even in Canada. The context of the song, and here is why some people rejected to sing this song, was a little troubling because it was written in the time of Vietnam. When the world was in chaos, there was large war going on where several of our young people were not coming home anymore because of the tragedy of this big war. And so people thought that it was just out of context, that it wasn't proper that on that day you would sing a song like that when the world was at war. But these people said, how much more better of a time is it now where there is so much hatred amongst people and bloodshed that we should indeed put a song like this out. And so they pressed it anyway, and in their hesitation, they found out that they were wrong about the assumption that the world would reject it again because it was a hit. It was worldwide. It was number one for years almost, that song. The world needed love, and the world was crying for it. Now, these are the words, the lyrics of this song. Some people may consider it worldly or secular or whatever, and that's fine. But I was intrigued by the words of this song as I went back to read what it said. And this is what the song says. What the world needs now is love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. Then they pray, Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are mountains and hillsides enough to climb. There are oceans and rivers enough to cross, enough to last till the end of time. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there is just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. Lord, we don't need another meadow. There are cornfields and wheat fields enough to grow. There are sunbeams and moonbeams memes uh, enough to shine. Oh, listen, Lord. You see the exclamation even in the song. Oh, listen, Lord. If you want to know what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there is just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Not just for some, but for everyone. Wow. 
what artistry and uh, what skill in putting this together. But it would have only come about because somebody observed, ob observed the need of this world. They were obviously compensated very well for this, but the point of the matter is that people accepted it because it ministered to their life concerning that topic. People need love. Let's talk about love just a little bit if we can. Not just any love, but God's love. We read out of John chapter 3, verse 16, and I want to take just a couple of simple points from it in this conversation this morning. Hopefully we can get a greater understanding of how blessed we are to be loved by God. First, the mass or massive expanse of God's love. For God so loved the world, this verse says. Let's just consider the grandness of this particular truth at this moment. It's talking about the world. The love that God came to offer was not only for a group of people, but for all of humanity. And that involves a lot if you begin to think about how vast and expansive, if you will, this love is. It covers a multitude of people, everyone, not just for some, but for everyone. For God so loved the world. Think about the holy source of this love. It came from God. John 3.16, it begins by saying, For God so loved this expanse. For God so loved everyone in this world that he gave this love. Now you think of how steeped into sin this world is. How many times maybe in your own heart at a moment of a particular heated moment where you didn't feel very appreciative of someone when you said, I'm not going to give you my love. Or when you hear of some criminal or some somebody who's done something that is completely against your, your person or your emotions, hurt you somehow, you say, how hateful that individual is. We hear of crime all the time where children are being hurt, abused, and, and all these things, and it makes you angry and say, ah, how could anybody love that person? But yet God does. Unbelievably. Incomprehensibly. Illogically. It's almost unacceptable to think that God could love a murderer. That God could love a child molester. That God could love some pornographer or some liar, some cheater. But he does. His arms open wide to the whole expanse of this world. While this world is self-centered and thoughtful of only itself. The favorite verse, I believe, of this world, if they knew any Bible, would probably be another verse that simply says, Judge, lest, judge not, lest be judged. Simply because we use that as a defense mechanism because we liken the, the world of sin that we're living in. And so we don't want anybody to, to pull us out of that rut or that particular comfort place, if that's what we consider it. A place where we can live the way we want and do as we want. Leave me alone. Uh, judge not lest you be judged. 
But that's not the verse of this hour. It's for God so loved the world. That's the message for today. The world tells us that. The word of God tells us that the Lord, it didn't matter how deep in sin we were. God decided in his heart to love us. When a man was at his very worst, God was still at his very best. In the Garden of Eden, we find man sinning and walking away from God, yet God visited him in his nakedness. You remember that? In the garden where the beginnings of transgression against God began, God came looking for man, even though man was naked before him. God saw exactly who the man was, nothing to cover him. Still, God went to meet with him. He could have said, Adam, get dressed. I'm going in. Adam, don't let me look at you that way. No, he went looking for him just the way he was. And this is what God love does in this world today. It comes looking for all of us just the way we are. In our nakedness, in our sin, in our lostness, in our stubbornness, in our philosophical confusion of this world, in our minds. God still reaches out to us. An unusual survey was done a few years ago. This is kind of comical. But this man writes that they were, people were asked, what three-word sentence would you like to most hear said to you? And they brought them all together, and they found that these three are the ones that superseded the rest. And one was, I love you. The second one is, I forgive you. And the third one, supper is ready. I think all the men can say amen. But that pretty much sums all of our needs. We have an emotional need, we have a physical need, and we have a spiritual need. So they're not really, though it sounds comical, still these three things that people mention by and large are really the very foundation of who we are and what we need. We need love. We need that emotional healing inside of us. We need to be forgiven. And we need physical attention as well. And God meets every one of those needs for us through his love. A certain man was taken through a tour, through a mental hospital or an asylum, as someone would call it, and he was looking, these people right on the walls, and he found this particular paragraph he stopped to read. And on this wall he found inscribed, Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment? Every blade of grass a quill, and every man a scribe by trade. To write the love of God to man would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Imagine in an asylum where someone is mentally challenged, if you will, or struggling emotionally. These words were found inscribed. Someone still who at one time or at that moment needed God's love. 
If you could take a very cane in this world was was a pen and the ocean was filled with ocean with the ink. Is this what this man is saying? You could never finish writing how rich and how beautiful God's love is. You would drain the ocean dry. The scope of God's love is immense. He loved the world. Then we have how in the midst of that scope he embraced, as we just mentioned, what he found as he reached for that love. Not everybody today wants that love. He found rejection. We see it in the life of Christ. How he was rejected. He was flogged. He was crucified and died and resurrected. But the initial part of his life was great pain. But in spite of our rebellions, we are told in Scripture again that this love went through all of that. We find in Romans 5, 7, reading to us, For scarcely a righteous man will die, yet one might die for a good man. Goes on to say, but God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And here's the point of this whole expanse of God's love. We are all elected to receive that love. We are all. You see, God's love did not come for a certain skin color or particular geographical area or particular tribe of people. He came for the world. He didn't extend his love to a people on a certain side of the tracks. He extended his love regardless on whatever side of the tracks you were born or from. His expanse embraces us all. Aren't you thankful for that love? God's love is equalizing. That means it sets us parallel to each other. In the scripture, you'll find that the Jews thought they had a monopoly in God. They thought he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of the Jews. But God did not just come for the Jews. He came for the entire world, as this scripture reads. God loves and takes the rich and poor and places them at the same level. He takes the learned and the unlearned and places them on the same level and offers them the same chance. The world has never experienced anything like the equalizing love of God. See, the world always celebrates stature. How high up on the corporate ladder are you? How much money do you have? How much is your house worth? That's a nice car. How much did you pay for it? That's a nice ring. Did your husband get that? How much did he pay for this? It's always stature. It's always a competitive thing. With God, it's all level ground. With God, the Lord doesn't care of the wealthiest or those who have the most lack in this house. He loves us all equally. It's an equalizing love. It's also an enduring love. It doesn't quit on you. The kind of love that many of us have experienced in this world is one that is short-lasting. It's a love that will be given to you if it's earned. And the day that you mess up, they don't love you anymore. How many know what I'm talking about? Can't make a mistake with the kind of love that we offer in this world. They can love you a moment and 
bring a parade together to celebrate you. But the moment you make a mistake because you are a finite individual and you make mistakes, there is no forgiveness. That love ceases at that moment and you're out of that all of it automatically. That's the kind of love that most people in this world know. This is why trust, the trust factor is so difficult because no one wants to be vulnerable to someone else and say, I love you because at any moment that love will not reciprocate. It won't come back. But it's not that way with God's love. It's enduring forever. He said, I will be with you till the end of the age. Isn't that beautiful about love? It's deliberating. Those who have experienced this marvelous love know about being set free. Love is freeing. It emancipates an individual. It gives us an opportunity to look at a new day, a new life, a new future, a new destiny. The beauty of God, of God's love is freeing. It fulfills the heart of the individual, of the recipient. It makes us wake up in the morning with a new hope and say, you know, I'm loved today. I, I, I can pursue things today. I have someone in support of me. Homes sometimes, husbands wife, and wives become bitter in the home. Children and father, parents and, and, and parents and children become bitter. Why? Because there is no support system. There is no love reciprocating amongst each other. Everyone has to fight on their own to win their own battles. And if you lose, that's your problem. That was your choice. But there is no encouragement in the house. And that's sad. But that's not the way God's love is. God's love is motivating. It's elevating. It pursues us and it pushes us to greater things from glory to glory. It tells us that God's love, our walk in life is like the morning dew. As the sun continues to get up, it's dim in the morning. But as the day and the sun comes up, the day becomes clear. There's a propelling forward in God's love. And this is the way our homes should be as well. Supportive of the husband, supportive of the wife, supportive of the children, encouraging them to pursue life. But not simply because you are an education freak. Not simply because you're an individual that wants to see your kid get into the money or, or your husband get into the money. No, but because you love them and you know something can satisfy them. If there's something that satisfies them, it will be the encouragement of, of parents. It will be the encouragement of children, of siblings, each other. And that's God's love. It's liberating. It's elevating. It's enabling it's enabling. It enables us. It gives us a strength to pursue things. You follow the path of Christianity around the world, you will find that it's the most enabling power. I'm proof of that. I'm proof of that. All of us here are proof of that. We may have been voted the least likely to succeed, but look at where you are now. Never imagine that God could do with you what he has done. I could never imagine that God would do with me what he has done. I could, few of you know my testimony, but if I took time to write it in a book, you'd find that 
our beginnings, my beginnings were not all that good. They were not that futuristic. They, they were not that promising for tomorrow. When you know about the illnesses, when you know about the troubles, when you know about the financial situations, when you know about the emotional things going on in, in someone's life, it's easy to see that that particular person would never have a chance to propel. Oh, but God's love is enabling. God's love is enabling. He will enable you. Even though you are looking at the bottom shelf of life, God will lift your, up, your eyes up to glory. He will do great things that you could never ask for or imagine. God's love is encouraging. Fact of the matter is if God loved me and God loved you, then there's hope for everyone. How many can say amen? How many can say amen and mean that? I'm told sometimes by testimony from some people in my office when I have particular meetings and they say, Pastor, you know, my husband or my son or my wife or whatever the situation may be, they're a tough people. They're difficult. I, I want to talk to them, but no, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Salvation, I don't think, is a, for them. They are too tough. They're ugly. And in my mind, when I hear a statement like that, I say not only to myself, but to that person, Madam or sir, if God could save me, if God could save me, that son of yours, that daughter of yours, that husband of yours, that wife of yours is no competition. God could make the knees of the strongest man in this world melt like butter. He will bring the strongest to his knees. It's just a moment's time that all God has to do is look. And a man's heart will melt. I never thought that salvation would be something I would ever embrace until God looked at me and I saw him look at me and it broke me. And it's been close to 40 years now that I have been serving him 37 years behind a pulpit, preaching the gospel and telling people how God was able to save me and how God will be able to save you. All because of his love. Because of his love. God's love is evangelizing. We sometimes skip that part of God's love. I said God's love is evangelizing. What does that mean? Well, some of you boyfriends know, some of you girlfriends know what it is. Everybody knew that you fell in love with a boyfriend. You told everybody. When that husband of yours to be proposed to you, you went and told the world, he proposed to me. When you as a man find the girl of your dreams and you chase after her and she gives in, somehow God blinds her to love you. <laughs> I'm 
my wife always wants to go to the optometrist, and I say no. <laughs> You're perfect, blind as you are. She's been with me and my girlfriend for the past 45 years. Blind every day of her life. Because she loves me. But when you meet that person that you love, you tell people. You tell people that you're in love. I think this is probably one of the elements of God's love that we kind of gloss over. We like the enabling. We love the encouraging. We love the uplifting. We love the, 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 the prospering. We love all the things that God's love for us. But then God has a demand on that love. Another nature of his love, it should produce it because that's the way love is. If you truly know love, you know that love is, 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 doesn't have any refrain on its tongue. Love has no boundaries. Can't, love can't keep a secret. It can't. When it's in love, it has to tell somebody all the time. Don't ever trust love. Don't ever tell love anything you want not, uh, not to be heard because once this love touches it, love has a big mouth and tells everybody. I love you. He loves me. We love each other. Oh, we're all in love. Love, 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 love. And you're going, man, I told you not to tell anybody. I can't hold it. Love is great. Love is evangelizing. Love, love tells everybody. But I wonder if that love has that, that effect on us. I wonder if that love has made you a big mouth. Hmm? How many people have you told that you're in love with God? How many people have you told God loves me and God loves you? Testimony after testimony in scripture. When they met Christ, the first thing they did was run off to their own. Guess what? I'm in love. I just met the Savior. I'm in love. See, you and I are a result or a product of a big mouth love. I know I'm being a little verbal here. But you understand my language, yes? You've only been with me for, what, 30 years? You know how I express myself? You see, we are the result of love's big mouth. Somebody was in love so much with God that they had to tell me. And that's how I got in love with God. When you share that love, people begin to desire that kind of love. Uh, how, oh, what does that love do? Oh, my gosh, that love that I have in my heart is incredible. It's amazing. It's encouraging. It's uplifting. I feel down. I remember he loves me. Oh, man, where, where do I meet him? That's what this love does. God's love is evangelizing. Don't forget that. Here at Rock of Ages, ladies and gentlemen, we have embraced a new venture. Our staff is coming together because we have decided to share this love this year and fill this place up with people that want to know God's love. 
We have decided to let love evangelize from deep within us. We've decided to step out of the walls of this church and go tell people that God loves us and that God loves them. And because he loves us this way, we want them to share this love with us. It's time. We wonder how corrupt the world is. And I wonder how many times God sits in his throne room wondering, they're never going to change you obviously don't love me enough to tell them. It's evangelizing. It mobilizes you. It pushes you forward. It pushes you forward. God's love is weatherproof. God's love is weatherproof. Story, illustration here. C.H. Spurgeon, we're told, was walking through an English countryside alongside with one of his friends, his minister friends. And as they strolled along, Spurgeon, the evangelist, saw a barn out in the field that had tin, a very faded, ugly tin. And in the middle of the roof of that building, it said, God is love. And he, Spurgeon looks at this and he tells his buddy as he's walking with him, he goes, you know, how absurd. It's almost an insult. How inappropriate it is to write those precious words on the roof of that faded out barn. And his friend says, oh, my good brother, you have missed the message that we are given in that display. Do you see how bright the words God's love is enough to read it very clearly? And do you see how faded the tin of that barn is? He said, here's the message. Here's the message. All things in this world will weather and grow pale. But God's love remains the same forever. Forever. Remains the same forever. Regardless of which way the wind blows, God is love. It's the clearest message that will remain until we see him face to face. Ladies and gentlemen, Valentine's Day is a couple of days. Many of you will be celebrating it today because of this weekend. And all of us obviously work during the week. But we're going to be busy buying cars and hope you did already. Many of them will be funny and so appropriate for the occasion. And some of you will be very emotional and expressive to your wives and your spouses and children. Some of you may be giving candy out or jewelry. And all of this in the name of love. But I want to remind you today... That the greatest love that we have ever experienced and the greatest love that you could really share with your wife today is God's love. It's a priceless love. The Bible said that he gave his son. You don't buy God's son in some corner store, jewelry store. You don't buy it at Macy's or at the mall or order online from the most expensive 
stores up in the Hollywood strip. The gift of God's son is priceless. It's a sacrificial gift. He gave it to us. He gave him to us. It was something he planned way before. It kind of not like us. Some of us will be running really quick right now to H-E-B to see if they have flowers. Trust me, I've done that. <laughs> Man, it's hard to live that one off. Some of us will be running at the corners or trying to find some kind of chocolate broken bear candy or something, whatever's left, whatever people left there. Here, honey. <laughs> I see some of the guys going like, I don't know, honey, I'm waiting till the day. There's nothing left, I know. But we're planning at the last moment to get something for our loved ones. Let me just finish with saying this. God giving us that gift of love in the form of his son was not something he thought of at the moment. He didn't look at mankind and go like, oh, my goodness, they messed up. Mm. What do I do? What do I give? Somebody run across the, the malls here in heaven or whatever and find me something. The Bible says this. He says, since the foundations of the world, God planned this gift for us. Before the foundations of the, that means that God was ready already. You're always ready to share that love. You're always ready to love that person. You're always ready. It's so nice and so awesome, so wonderful, inexpressible how awesome God is because he had planned to love me way billions of years before I was even me. God planned to send you his gift. He wrapped up his gift in the form of his son. A gift we could understand, feel, touch. And send him for us. He knew at that moment, this day is coming. And I'm ready. I'm packaged and ready to go. He gave him to us. No greater gift could we ever find than the gift of God and this gift that he given us sometimes in my home and I'll be very transparent with you they'll say what do you want the, what do you want for Valentine's Day or what do you want for your birthday I say you know what I don't want anything give me the money and I know that's funny just give me the money because really the fact of the matter is sometimes you'll get something you already have something of or something you really can't use, and there you go. You understand what I'm saying. I'm speaking economical here now. But I'll say, just give me the money. Why? Because there's really an honest intent behind that. That is, I can go get something that's going to benefit me. Something that I like, oh, man, I needed a pen. I needed uh, this particular tie. I needed something. I needed a guitar.
Well, I want you to know something that when God gave us his son, he knew exactly what we needed. And just like I'll go and buy something for myself because it's going to benefit me, this son of his, this gift of love for us that God has given us comes with great benefits. The Bible says in John 3.16, the verse that we have been reading, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't go amongst all of his sons. He didn't go looking for a special son. He, he, he didn't do like Jesse when Samuel went out there looking for a king for Judah and, and Samuel brought all of his sons. No, that's not the way. That's not what God, the Bible says that God has many sons like that. No, he took his only begotten son. And he gave him to us that we might receive that son and believe in that gift of God. Trust him, enjoy him, embrace him. And to top it off, the most special thing is that he gives them to us with great benefits. It goes on to say in the closing words of this passage that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. What a gift. Don't you think? What a wonderful gift. It never wears out. It doesn't fade. It'll never go to a garage sale. It'll never be discontinued that if it breaks, you can't fix it anymore. Nothing. It's eternal. It's lasting and it's beneficial to all of us who will embrace that gift of God. This is God's love. That's how much of a treasure his love is. He gave him to us in the form of his son. Do you know this love? The Bible says that those who know love have to know God. Because God is love. There is no replacement for him. There is nothing more genuine than him. There is nothing more real, more divine, more pure, more perfect than his love. This Valentine's Day, I pray that after you give all these gifts and enjoy each other's company and take each other out to dinner and bless on your children, and that all of you would remember, man, you know, we've given each other things and we hope we all appreciate these little gifts of love. But let us as a family be thankful that we have received the greatest gift of love. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.